Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right, hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Sync Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner. Chris Cervello, our intrepid producer, is in the air, flying to scenic Reno, Nevada. So it is just Wags and me before Eric and Keenan jump on board and talk about an incredibly competitive uh, game against Notre Dame on Saturday on a gorgeous day at M&T Bank Stadium. I thought the mids, um, you know, really... They they put their best foot forward. That was not an embarrassing loss. Uh, midway through the second quarter, I thought it would be an embarrassing loss, but it wasn't. And Wags and I are going to break that down here in a minute. But I'll tell you what football game was not an embarrassing loss. In fact, it was a win and a championship win. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We love singing second. Hats off to sprint football for beating Army, not once this year for the star, but twice winning the Sprint Football Conference Championship. Wags was there instead of me babbling on about it. Give us your first-person input as to how exciting that was because it was 21-21 late in the game, and then Tota goes house. John, you said it. Navy sang second, and boy, was it a raucous rendition of the blue and gold as they screamed out Beat Army at the end. There was a great crowd there, almost 3,000. Uh, really impressive that that many people turned out on a very bitter cold day here, John. I have to say, though, wind chill was uh, not nice, um, but a good crowd came out to, to support Navy, and it was a tough game. They fell behind early. Army took it to them early and was ahead 14 nothing, a 10-40 mark of the second quarter. Navy struggled offensively early on, only one first down on their first three possessions they did not finally get it going until the fourth possession but and there were some other struggles I mean kicker Michael Golden had two attempts go off the uprights he had a field goal attempt and an extra point ping off the uprights and it was just like maybe this is not our day but Alex Tota was the man and I love that name of Tote the Rock Tota the Rock uh he really had a great day, John. He ran for 193 yards on 35 totes, uh, two touchdowns, and the game winner, John, was a thing of beauty. And I'll set this up by saying that Navy was still trailed um, 14 to 13. It was a scoreless third quarter, and now you're in the fourth quarter, and you're like, you know, is Navy Navy needs a drive here. And boy, did they put together a drive, John. They marched. 54 yards in 14 plays took over six minutes off the clock and finally scored. It was a real methodical grinded out drive. They had to convert a fourth down deep, deep in army territory and then Tota dove over for the, for the touchdown. And that made it 20 to 14. And the, you wanted to make up your missed extra points. So you, they went for two and they dialed up a great play Quarterback Andrew Margiotto did a nice little shovel pass inside of Scott Lombardi who ran over. And so the two-point conversion was, was good. And all of a sudden, Navy's up 21-14. And 
and there's only 621 left. But, you know, Army, you got to give it to them. They marched right back down the field, 60 yards and six plays. Henry Beck scores, and it's like, man, we cannot get rid of these guys. 21-21. Now there's only 346 left. But Navy had its own lightning quick march, John. 59 yards in just four plays. Took less than two minutes. And the beautiful play, and I spoke to Alex Toda after the game. It was a play. It was a little option play. They'd been practicing for weeks, but they had not used it in a game. They were saving it for the right moment. Uh, to beat Army is probably the right moment. A uh, little fake to a receiver coming in motion. Ran double option with with Todd, Toda and Margiota Distotota, who got the corner, raced down the sideline, 41-yard touchdown. Navy wins, like you said, winner, winner, chicken dinner, John. It was really exciting. Yeah, I, and anytime you beat anytime you beat Army is is just a great thing. And Alfonso made us, you know, the head coach, Major Alfonso made us, said it perfectly. He was like, what an amazing game. What an amazing rivalry. You can't ask for a better game. And, and it really seemed that way. Um, Brandon Atwood was great from the quarterback position, 13 for 23 for 101 yards and a touchdown. You mentioned Margiata. He was the primary target. He had six receptions for 56 yards. Jake Smith and Tota played well. And then defensively, they had a lot of good people standing out. I don't know how I never noticed this uh, name before, but Navy has a... <laughs> a defensive player named Jackie Costigan. So from now on, I'm calling him the departed because that's really all. I mean, the second I see Costigan, I see that. So guys, hats off. Not only do you get the star, you win the championship. And uh, we just could not be happier for sprint football. Um, the, the picture of them celebrating afterwards says a thousand words. So Wags, I, I'm completely envious of you being able to be there. I would have much rather been there than in Reno, Nevada. Let's talk about another great victory over the weekend. I think freshman A.J. Schutz gets out of his plea rates from now on because he scored in the 83rd minute, and it was all we needed to shut out six-seed American in the men's soccer Patriot League title game. We win 1-0. We, Patri- we go to the NCAA tournament, the College Cup, which is honestly wags one of my favorite things in the world i just think this tournament is amazing the competition is great um and now we have to wait until tomorrow on monday for the college cup selection show and who knows does does navy get a call to play sasha sarovsky and the maryland terrapins here locally we'll see but how special is it wags that this program it's been almost 10 years they're going back to the ncaa tournament it's it's a great thing for the brand well, tremendous defensive effort, John. I mean, wow, just shut down American um, and just slowly, steadily building the attack and get the goal with uh, shoots. I mean, and uh, Pierce Holbrook once again standing tall in goal. Um, well, this is a great result for Navy. Uh, I, it's their first Patriot League championship since, what, 2007 I saw on the release? I mean, that's, that's, a, that, that's a long time. Um, not a whole lot of Patriot League championships, period, for the program. So this is a great, great result. Um, I hope that Navy – I mean, this it's just a great step forward for the program and for Coach O'Donohue, and I'm just so happy for them. Um, you know, having a home game didn't hurt, and I believe the crowd up there was pretty doggone good on Saturday night, John. 
Hell yeah, Wags. And, and it's just a great thing. What a great weekend for the brand of the Naval Academy. You've got the Notre Dame game, and we'll get to that in a second. You've got us playing for a chance to go to the College Cup in soccer. You've got us winning in sprint football. And then, oh, by the way, small little basketball tournament at Alumni Hall on Friday night. After Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars ran Billy Lang out of the building, which was actually really fun to watch. And they are going to be good. Uh, Houston will be a Final Four contending team this year. And Wags, I'll let you opine on that a little bit. But I'll tell you what, the second game, the nightcap, and for for go to bed early folks like you and uh, you and Ward Carroll, that eight thirty plus p.m. start must have really sat poorly with you. But I'll tell you what, Navy basketball hangs on to beat Princeton seventy four to seventy three. Princeton is now zero and two. Navy's two and zero. Wags, what was your assessment with uh, Ward there watching? Uh, yeah, really, it looks like Sean Yoder is is trying to put his stamp on this season. Well, it's great to be back with my buddy Ward alongside at Alumni Hall there at uh, Courtside Press Row. And uh, the game did not start till actually 9 o'clock, John. Um, there was a bit of an issue at Alumni Hall, just really heavy heat and humidity. The doors were open because CBS Sports had been there all day and been moving their equipment in and out. And so the first game had an issue. There was a serious uh, moisture on the floor, every time and bodies went to the floor or any time they had a timeout, there was like an army of 15 people his, hit the floor with towels, doing everything possible to try to keep that floor uh, dry. And got to give the, those people credit, the personnel on hand, uh, what yeoman effort, um, you know, from little kids to grown men down on their hands and knees, drying floor spots. Um, at one point, though, Kelvin Sampson, I mean, you mentioned it. He is loaded, loaded. I cannot believe how much talent Houston has. They are so good, John. Um, and uh, he's got NBA guys, too. So not only has he got a Final Four caliber team that he wants to keep healthy, but he's also got guys with NBA aspirations that he wants to keep healthy. And so about five minutes left, and the game was easily in hand, he, he asked uh, the officials, uh, Let's let's end this thing. I don't want a guy tearing an ACL. Now, what I don't understand, frankly, and is just quick tangent before we get to Navy, is why he didn't pull out all of his big stars. I mean, he's worried about their health, but he kept them in a game. Did not make yeah, it seemed shoot. like a strange decision. I didn't know what that was all about. It made no made no sense, John. But they they, they got through the game and then uh gotta give Bill Givens and the Navy staff credit. Someone had the wherewithal to think, what could we do to cool this place down? And they realized they got these big, humongous air conditioning units that they keep on the sideline of football games during the early season games when it's really, really hot. So Greg Morgenthaler showed up with four of these massive refrigerator-sized air conditioning units. They put one in each corner, and that did the trick, and there was – they had to continue to wipe and use the towels in the second game, but nowhere near at the level of the first game and with nowhere near as much danger factor. Uh, Navy played great. Yoder with a big game, 22 points. Uh, Tyler Nelson, oh, actually, I think he had, did he have 20? Yoder. 20, 17 for Nelson, 10 for Deaver, and 8 for Dorsey. It was really just a nice, balanced game. 
and holding Princeton off from that game winning shot. You know, it, it just it just had one of those things like in soccer. We talk about it all the time in the Premier League that the result is deserved. You know, hey, it's a tie. It was deserved. You know, the other team played very well. I actually thought, you know, rewatching the game that Navy deserved to win. I think they did all the right things. Obviously, these are these are tough early season games, but I thought I think this is going to be a really exciting team. Yoder has made immense strides and Tyler Nelson, I think, is a first team Patriot League player this year. Well, I'll tell you another guy. Um, two other guys really made huge contributions. Uh, apparently, Deaver had a little dinged up ankle, so he didn't start. And Nate Allison started, and he played very well and, uh, you know, really got the job done inside when Deaver was on off the floor. And then this, the freshman, Austin Benini, he is a very poised freshman. He played on a very high-level AAU team out of Houston. And he just – he knows how to play point guard. And he made a huge pull-up jumper, made a couple big free throws, handled the ball very well. He's the one that uh, passed ahead. He made a great lead pass to Nelson for a three. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, it was Patrick Dorsey for a big three late. Uh, but Navy shot 72% from the field in the first half. And it was like, I don't know that I've ever seen Navy shoot 72% from the field in a half, John. No, it, it was it was incredibly impressive. And, and you said it, Nate Allison, who obviously goes to the same gym that Mike Heary does, um, he played really well. And, and again, I'm wearing my Navy water polo shirt that on the back says, send me. And that's what Bill Givens does, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Givens, Greg Morgan Thaler, give them all swoe pins because they have that swoe mentality of, hey, what's the problem? How do I solve it? What do you need me to do? It'll get solved. And, and that's how the Veterans Classic turned out great. You're always going to have situations like this. I have been in games at the Palestra in Philly where it, like, it literally feels like you're playing in soup. Um, hats off to them for doing their thing and, and making that a playable game and keeping everyone safe. That was great. I mentioned Philly. I've got to pay off a bet right now, Wags, on Friday night. Also, the Temple Owls beat Villanova for the first time in 10 years. Colin, Schofield let, me, <laughs> Colin Schofield let me hear about it, as did all of his friends. I have to give a shout-out to Kinley, Austin, Ryan, everybody, Kinley. Yeah, it's been a while since I've uh, since I've been able to uh, get on the pod and talk here. But um, you know, it, everyone knows that Jose Borbone only went to Temple because he couldn't get into Rutgers. But hats off to you guys, Temple beating Villanova. I'm happy to lose the bet. And uh, yeah, best of luck to the Fighting Aaron McKees going forward. Some other not so great results from the weekend wags. Women's basketball. We talked to Tim Taylor. We talked to Pelzik. Um, they went out to Air Force and really had a hard time. And I mean a hard time. They lost by 40. Um, and it was over from the jump. They only scored nine points in the second quarter. They were down 47-22 at half. It got no better after that. Uh, leading scores were the two plebes, uh, Marin Loritas and Kate Sampson. Uh, you'll hear on the pod this week, um, Pelzik uh, uh, talking about Kate Sampson um, yeah, they're going to be good. Hats off to Sam Schofield for scoring two points. She's obviously an athlete because of her name, but not the result at all that Tim Taylor wanted. And I think they're really, they're really hurting from that freshman point guard getting hurt. And that wasn't the result they wanted. But the Fighting Murph McCarthy's did go out to Colorado Springs and get the result they wanted Friday night. They went into Air Force 
stomped Air Force women's rugby. Well, it's not a stomp. It's 12-3. They won 12-3. They beat Air Force. That's really all that matters. Wags, any thoughts on the women's game? Well, maybe women are very young, John, and they're loaded with all these plebes. And that was a first true road trip going all the way out to Colorado Springs. Uh, real, like you said, reeling from the injury to their their classmate and point guard. Uh, they're going to have to figure some things out. Uh, obviously, Coach Taylor had kind of built the offense, kind of an up-tempo offense around uh, the, the young point guard, and now they're going to have to adjust. Uh, they're back in action this week at home. Uh, Navy men play at Coppin, by the way, on Monday evening. Um, but we'll see. Uh, still a young season. A lot of things going to still develop, John. So let's round out the weekend men's rugby. Uh, they went up to St. Bonaventure on Saturday. They got a win 28 to eight, still undefeated, still dominating. Gavin Hickey's boys are doing well uh, today in a volleyball game that really had no meaning at all. We're already playing American in the Patriot League tournament midweek. Uh, volleyball lost to Bucknell 3-2. Um, and then Saturday, actually, I would be remiss if I did not talk about wrestling. We are going to have Kerry Colad on this coming week. The wrestling team was very well represented on the podium at the 13th annual Jonathan Kalust Bearcat Open. Andrew Cerniglia at 157. Kozer, you're going to keep hearing us talking about that name at 197 pounds. And then Grady Grice. We're going to have to get him on, Wags, because he took home the individual championship as well uh, as Navy ended its second tournament with eight wrestlers placing and five finishing in the top three of their respective weight classes. Um, I'll tell you what, Kerry Colat, we're going to talk to him about it midweek. He is making a difference. They are going to be on the podium a lot more. Now, Wags, before we take a quick break and get into Notre Dame, I know you had something on rugby. Well, I just want to point out that Navy um, men's rugby is done. That's it. There's no championship ladder series. So there's nowhere to go. That's the final regular season game was it. I already heard from Gavin Hickey. Sent me an email, and we'll try to do a little wrap-up article and highlight the first varsity season for Navy. Um, I'm not. I'll have to talk to the sports information folks and find out. You know what Navy? Uh, I don't know if it's just because first varsity season, but I uh, there is apparently no postseason. Uh, it's it's over for Navy men's rugby, and you're right about DeGrice. With uh, he was not the starting heavyweight last season, and my goodness, he's improved clearly. Uh, I can't wait to get Coach Colad on and talk about this team. But I have a feeling a lot of wrestlers have improved across the board because the coaching staff's so good. They always have been. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Navy Notre Dame before Wags, Ek, and Keenan do their thing. I just wanted a quick opportunity to thank our sponsors. Always thankful to New Day USA and Admiral Tom Lynch. Always thankful to Dry 5 and Red Red Wine Bar. Pro MD Health in Annapolis. You're going to hear from owner and founder Scott Melamed Midweek Academy Consulting as well. Thank you to all of our sponsors. When we come to you midweek, we're going to have the results of the College Cup Selection Show. That's on Monday. We're going to have some great interviews and we'll be previewing the UCF game um, and it's very quizzical 11 a.m. start down in Orlando. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go to break. When we come back, Wags, EK, and Keenan are going to talk to you about the game. This is Sing Second Sports. 
All right, Sing Second fans, Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Just because the season has started, it does not mean that you've missed your opportunity to get those tickets as the mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaign. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Speaking of basketball, mark your calendars for the weekend of November 26th and 27th and make plans to visit the Winter Wonderland at Alumni Hall. Navy men's basketball hosts Mount St. Mary's at 11 a.m. on the 26th. In addition, the Navy women's basketball team will be hosting the annual Navy Classic all weekend long. Throughout the weekend, fans can visit the Winter Wonderland, which will be filled with holiday activities for kids of all ages. And the best part, admission to all five games being played at Alumni Hall that weekend are free. And finally, speaking of kids, the Kids Shipman Club is the official kids club of Navy Athletics. For just $20, your membership includes exclusive gifts, free tickets to Navy sports events, a birthday card from Bill the Goat, and more. To register, visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. Welcome to another episode of the one and only Navy football podcast brought to you by New Day USA. This is the Navy Notre Dame postgame report. Uh, thought it was going to be a very dismal report midway through the game, but Navy gave us a lot of positives to talk about by the time it was all over there at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. And it was great seeing Eric. He came up to the press box. He had his popcorn and his his soda. He was just enjoying himself, kicking back in the press box. Uh, and that was during the first half when we were not happy campers. Right, Eric? Oh, that place is great. That press box, they have that facility is it's spot on. And it's always interesting walking in a press box first. And the Sands are be yelling and screaming and, you walk in the press box, everybody's quiet, doing their job, reporting small, you know, stations around the whole world. So it's really cool. I enjoyed it. So uh, Drew Pine went wild and, you know, I was texting back and forth with Keenan. It's, it's, and we'll talk to Keenan about this and get his thoughts. But it's kind of like, uh, you know, do you drop eight, rush three? Do you bring the house and leave guys in man-to-man coverage or one-on-one coverage? And it's just like kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. Uh, so in the first half, Navy went with a lot of zone coverage, uh, dropping eight, and uh, Drew Pine picked him apart. I mean, he just had way too much time to sit back in the pocket and find receivers, and it's Notre Dame. They got big tight ends. They got fleet-wide receivers, and they're going to get open, and that's what they did. And, you know, Navy really hurt itself with three things. I mean, it's hard enough to stop the Notre Dame offense when they have to go the length of the field, but Navy gave Notre Dame short fields three times. Tried an onside kick, didn't work. Uh, tried a reverse halfback option, probably not a great call that early in the game. Uh, turned into an interception. And then uh, they had a block punt. So three times Na- Notre Dame took over in Navy territory, just made it all the easier. So before we get to some of the good, Keenan, why don't you tell me some of your thoughts on the first half? And have you ever seen a wide receiver catch a pass by pinning it against the cornerback's back? Uh, that was, uh, man, that was a heck of a play by that guy. Uh, you know, just being, just being an athlete, I guess. Um, obviously, that play was huge. And 
you know, I was not a happy camper when I saw that, how that kind of uh, played out. But, you know, that, that those kinds of things happen when you're playing Notre Dame, I guess, you know, they, they have world-class athletes, you know, I honestly hesitate. It makes me sick to actually say that like out loud, because I think that's a terrible excuse. And I believe it's a crutch. And I feel like there are no better athletes than what we got. So like, I'm actually not going to give them that, that like way out. It was a, it was a hell of a catch by that guy, like sports center top 10 type of catch. But I still feel like BD Williams has to get his head around and make a play on the ball there um, to, to like at least break it up. Uh, but again, you know, kudos to that guy for making the play. Well, that was Braden Lindsay. And I guess real quickly before I move on, um, you know, what's your thought on, I mean, how the, the way Pine threw for like 263 yards and five touchdowns in the first half. Um, wh- wh- what did you see as far as pass coverage? And then we'll kind of compare that to what happened in the second half when Navy basically just said, all right, all bets are off. We're bringing the house. We're blitzing multiple people every single time they get into third down. And uh, they sacked Pine five times. Uh, I was telling John when we spoke about the game during the weekend varsity wrap, Notre Dame only had 12 offensive yards in the second half. I would love to find out the last time any opponent held Notre Dame to just 12 total yards and a half. But real quickly, uh, finishing up with the bad, What's your thoughts on the, the zone pass coverage and what Pine was able to do in that first half, Keenan? Yeah, defensively, the secondary has been a liability all year. Um, we've been obviously elite at stopping the run, um, top 10 defense stopping the run. But our pass game, we get thrown, we get thrown up our heads at least once a game. I mean, it's been every single game going all the way back to Delaware. And that trend has continued throughout the season. Um, when we did drop eight and play soft zone, they had no problems like finding ways to hit the hole, hit the holes in the zone. I think the, 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 the big change in the second half was sending different looks and different blitzes to zone blitzing. I think that that's probably the bread and butter, some sort of like zone blitz and being able to disguise the coverages. Cause when we play zone, when we play man and try to blitz, we, we get beat. When we drop eight, we get beat. So I think the best thing is counting on guys like, you know, John Marshall to get home um, and running those types of zone blitzes. So, Eric, um, wanted to bring up uh, Notre Dame used an eight-man front primarily, but they did switch in and out of various fronts. That's kind of what they did last season against Navy. Uh, Al Golden has played the triple option a lot. That's the Navy Notre Dame defense coordinator, Al Golden, formal former head coach at Temple, former head coach at Miami. He played Navy a lot while at Temple. He played Georgia Tech a lot while at uh, Miami. He likes to slant the defensive line, uh, and the answer to that is midline. And Daba Fafana broke loose on some really big runs. Uh, He had a 36-yard touchdown run. He had a big 50-yard run where he just kept rumbling and stumbling and bumbling his way down the field. But you had to like what you saw out of Yabba, Yabba Dabba Doo, right? He played well. Yeah, it wouldn't, if you look at the stats, actually, he, at one point he had three carries, for 105 yards, I believe, uh, which is you know unheard of. Um, they crushed him on the midline. He played really well. Offense line, you know, with those slants, picked up that uh, the, those plays. So I, I, I wish they kept him in the game more. And I was actually talking to a couple, couple guys on, on the sideline of, you know, why I'm not sure they keep him in at the end of the game. And I'm assuming maybe Hall is a better pass pro uh, player 
for blocking purposes, but um, I wish he played a little more, um, to be honest. But if you talk about the game, you know, I've been going back and forth with people about this. You know, we should have won this game. Uh, I think it was three minutes of just bad football by Navy. Uh, It all started with that, you know, they missed a field goal. We we have now we have field possession. There's two minutes and I think 23 seconds left. You know, I want them to be Navy football, you know, run the clock down, run down the field, possibly get seven, you know, most likely get three. Uh, you know, rather than throwing a halfback pass, he floated it. He didn't throw it, you know, hard down the sideline. And then they, they turn around and score. And then just 14 points is unanswered. Just really, you know, kind of just crushed our momentum. And one of the things that, you know, if we're still harping on the bat is, you know, even with that last touchdown at the end, you know, we had a lot of mistakes in offense of, you know, false starts and just, just constantly just put ourselves in a, in a bad, in a bad position. But overall, with the spread of being what, Chris, like it was a 17 and a half, 18, and we, we lost by three points and, you know, we should have won this game. Uh, you know, I'm happy with it. You know, I wish the third down conversion to be a lot better, but like you said, Bill, that we had five sacks. Notre Dame had one. Like if you said that to me before the game, I, I, I wouldn't believe you. And that, that's unbelievable effort by the defense. And, you know, it's unbelievable effort by the offense coming back and, you know, going for it. But I, I just want to, echo something that Eric said. He said it was three minutes of bad ball, and that really defined the game. Um, And we may be getting to this, but, like, the fact that he said that, I just – I have to get this off my chest. I mean, we talk – you talk about a a series of events that just absolutely killed us, like, looking at the totality of the game. You got the block. You have the – first, you have the the halfback pass interception that he talked about. Right. And, and like Eric said, run the off. Let's just run our offense. We they had not stopped us up until that point. We had been able to really run our offense. We just went 80 yards for a touchdown. So we ha- we can we can run our plays and be successful. We have a chance to go down, potentially tie the game before the half and get the ball back. So that was a huge play. We gave up the big play on defense. Touchdown. OK, we get the ball back. No, no harm, no foul. You know, 28 to 13. We can still go down and score again before the half. We get a blocked punt, um, and I believe it was Will Harbor's guy that that blocked the punt. Notre Dame had five blocked punts, five yeah, blocked let, punt games in, in a row, and then seven total. I'm like, that's unbelievable. I saw that. Should we, we should prepare for that more and more. Right. That should definitely have been on a scouting report that they let the FBS in blocked points. Um, the, snap, the snap was a little slow, to be honest. So yeah, it was. It was slow. But, but we talk about, you know, you talk about what does it take to win? What does it take to be a winning football team? And I think every week we can always point to like one or two plays where it's like, you know, if it would have went the other way, we probably have a better record now. But especially when you play a team like Notre Dame, you have to make you have to be per- like they, we talk about being perfect. But what that really means is you have to take advantage of momentum, of sudden change. You can't give up bonehead plays. you got to be solid on special teams. You can't miss extra points. You can't get kicks blocked. These are like very elementary things that you can't do. And then another thing that I think killed us in the second half was. Really, I would say like the stretch from the stretch from the, the halfback interception all the way to that field goal we kicked in the first drive was just bad ball. Yes, we had we went all the way down and got three points, but we took off it was of a uh, eight ten minute drive to get three points. You have to score a touchdown there. And Coach Neamite even talked about it in his post game presser. And then we we burned two timeouts on that one drive. 
So, I mean, I think it was just a series of events back to back to back to back to back that kind of defined the game. And no matter how good we played in the second half defense and, you know, rallying to get the, to, to get the opportunity to, to win the game or get the ball back, you can't overcome those types of plays against a team like Notre Dame. So, Keenan, John Schofield here. Let, let me ask you a question because obviously you've been thinking about it. You wanted to get it off of your chest. Where do those failures happen? Like we've been talking about it almost all season about the special teams, the kicking issues, which really seem to be out of nowhere. I, I've never, I don't remember us talking about special teams as a liability. And then lo and behold, on one of our pods this year, you actually bring up like, hey, do we have a special teams coach? That, the third down conversions, the timeouts, it, not everyone wants to lay blame, but what's your explanation for it? Like from your experience, and you have seen some big games, as has Eric, but what's, what's the explanation for, for these issues? I think it's experience, you know. Uh, so when you talk about like the operation of getting the play in and making sure that uh, – we can, you know, get the play on it. And, you know, you see Coach Nehemiah calling timeouts because we can't get the right personnel on or we can't get the play in in time and get like get the ball snapped on time. I think that's experience behind the center. And what I mean by that is if you notice, we don't – we there was a time in Navy football history where we never huddled. The only time we ever huddled was to put the game away in the fourth quarter. And I was actually talking to Ricky about this at the game. I was like, we huddle now. And so when, when you huddle and you're running the play in, you're, you're not signaling it, you're running the play in, you have to make sure you have the right person that you want to go in. You have to give them the play, send them in, and then simultaneously change personnel. Get the play to, to X. X has to call the play. Get on the line of scrimmage. He has to read, okay, is this the right play for this defense? Okay, I think it is. And then a lot of times while all that's happening, we're still in the huddle. It's 15 seconds left. I'm like, we're not getting this playoff. There's, it's going to be a timeout because we haven't even got the play into the huddle and it's 15 seconds left on the play clock. So I think like, but I think that stems from just not having I, – I think it really is just not having experience behind the center and, and enough trust to say, okay, we're going to go no huddle. We're just going to send the play in, signal it in, and trust the quarterback to get us in the right play. That's really what – that's what I think it is because when, when you see that happening, that means that the quarterback has complete control of the offense. And in this stage of where we are right now, I don't think that they have complete grasp of, like, what they need to do in order to get us in the right play every single time in so much that the coaches would trust to say, okay, let's go no huddle every single time. I was talking to somebody on the sideline, and uh, they actually blame you for this problem. They go, Keen Reynolds was so good IQ-wise for football that they maybe didn't practice as hard or, or hit as hard and hit the quarterbacks because you were so good and mentally acute for those four years. What do you think about that? That's actually hilarious. We didn't practice as hard. <laughs> Hey, There's Wags's that's, headline that's, for the story tomorrow. It's that's awesome. baloney. Uh, that's hey, baloney. Also, quick question, Bill. So I'm, I'm thinking with this, this long snapper too. Wait, is it was long? Is he number 40, 49? Yes, Byron Rhodes. So when I was watching the game, the field goal snap that we – sorry, the field goal we missed, extra point, he got hurt on that. Like he was limping off. He was helped off by two trainers. And then think about the snap was bad, slow. That might be something right there. Just thinking about that. That's a really good point. I remember that. I'll have to yeah, find out if uh, Cole Williams is the other long snapper. I'll have to find out if he was the snapper on the uh, punt that was blocked. Um, let's end with the positive. Obviously, you all called it. There's several factors. The end of first half sequence was just awful. It couldn't have been any worse. Um, let a game that was not going well get out of control. 
the uh, failure to get plays in on time has been a season-long issue. But let's end on a positive. The Navy rushing defense proved that it's A-grade legit, held Notre Dame to 66 rushing yards. This is a Notre Dame rushing attack that had been running wild, averaging 266 yards over its last five wins. Really manned up, played great up front. Donald Berniard, the nose guard, Clay Cromwell, the defensive tackle, Jacob Busick, the defensive end. It all starts with them. Um, John Marshall and Nicholas Strahl on the edges doing a great job. Eric, why don't you talk about the Navy rushing defense? Outstanding. Outstanding. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, I watched one play. I, I believe it was uh, number eight. He went against their All-American captain, tight end, number 87. And he literally stretched him out, made the sack. He like, made like third and 17. And it was just impressive to see them play as a team in the second half. And more importantly, what Coach Newberry schemed up. You know, they ran all over Clemson. They ran over all these amazing teams. And for us to, you know, hold them to, what, 12 yards in the second half, like I don't think other teams have ever, ever done that, ever. So congratulations to the team stepping up. Well, I'll just call out a couple people who did really well. Ray Lane, and I think it might have been 18 that you were talking about because that's Ray Lane. He had seven total tackles. He had a sack, uh, played a great game. Colin Ramos, the inside linebacker, seven tackles, one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. John Marshall, six tackles, a sack, a, a, a sack and a half, actually. Deshaun Peel, there's a cornerback who wasn't even playing until recently. Uh, last few games, and he's suddenly a starter. That was his first career start, six tackles, tackle for loss. Uh, I just mentioned Donald Berniard Jr., biscuit, six tackles. Jacob Busick, five tackles. So just a tremendous defensive performance. That's something that Navy can build on. So, Keenan, I thought Xavier Arline played well for the second straight game. Um, he adds a dimension that Navy needs in the triple option, the ability to make things happen with his feet. There was one play where he had a scramble and he scooted out of there and got a, like something like a 26 yard gain. Uh, what's your thoughts on how Xavier looked under center? He played fantastic. Uh, I think the last two games he's played really well. We talked about like my, my thing and my criticism, I guess going into this game was, can he make the throws when we need him to? And he stepped up and he made some spectacular throws in great situations. Um, I thought he read the, ran the offense, ran the triple well. The only thing I would like to see a little bit better is him getting downhill on the triple. I felt like, and I was talking to Ricky about this too, I feel like he was a little bit too lateral on that. And I wanted him to see him get downhill and really make those guys commit. And I know that Coach Jasper is going to give him that same feedback. Um, also, you know, praying for his speedy recovery. I'm not sure what's going on with his ankle or whatever, but hoping that he he's back and because he played really well. I think he's done a great job taking over this team and giving us a chance to win. Um, so hats off to him. I know that, you know, obviously I've been – we talked about the things that, that kind of separated us from being successful and winning this game. But at the end of the day, like, as a program taking the next step and, like, wanting to win these big-time games like like we've done in the past, those are – you have to be hitting on those plays. Like you can't afford to miss on those types of plays. So, you know, Eric can attest he's beat Notre Dame. Um, he's won big games. He knows what it takes. Um, those You have to, like, hit on those. All those little things that don't really seem like a big deal in the moment end up compounding and when you get to the end you're looking back like man if we would have just made a play here or there we could beat these dudes and i i did that four years three years in a row as a start against notre dame was like we were one or two plays away from beating those dudes 
and it slipped away. So can definitely understand what that feels like. But, you know, shout out to X. Hope he gets healthy because um, we're going to definitely need him in that Army game because um, he's playing lights out right now. And if I can chime in there really quick, Wags, and I think this is something I'd like to hear from Eric on, this whole thing has kind of changed the perspective of going from the fall to the spring, right? Xavier is a good quarterback. He runs the triple well. He played great on Saturday. If I'm Joe Amplo, I don't like that one bit. So, you know, Eric, Keenan, Wags, I don't know the exact details of Ty Lavatai's injury, but it's certainly something that you've got to be mindful of going into next year. And Xavier has to be ready to step up. Do you make the decision now that he just does not play lacrosse anymore? Like what, if you were the, if you were on the staff, Eric, what would you do? Uh, if I was my football staff, uh, well, one, I'm, I'm selfish. I would uh, tell him not to play and you know, continue to focus on football. But, uh, you know, you probably can't do that at the academy and being such a phenomenal lacrosse player. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a fight for, you know, next year who's going to start quarterback. And, you know, there might be some freshmen that, you know, step up as well or, you know, maybe a new recruit or an apps guy. So um, you know, that's Coach Nima that, you know, he just paid the big bucks for that. And, um, you know, and hopefully he's healthy for Army. Army lost the uh, past couple of games. And, and also, you know, a weird question that Coach – or someone brought up was um, Air Force getting the commander chief under pro, under uh, probation. Like, how is that possible? Yeah, that's not it, good. It doesn't, but, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. Like that's like we're all about like integrity and honor at the Naval Academy, and like then they get trophies for it. Like, come on. So what? I'll just quickly chime in. In my opinion, on Xavier, he will not play lacrosse. He's in line to be the starting quarterback at Navy. He wants to be the starting quarterback. He can be. He has one season of lacrosse, his senior season after football is over. He can play lacrosse one more time, unencumbered by football. But Ty will probably not participate in spring practice. I think he's going to have a surgery. So Xavier is the starting quarterback. He needs to be out there. He will not play lacrosse in the spring. So, guys, Navy is now three and seven, two games remaining. They go down to Central Florida. Central Florida is a team that just beat Tulane, which was the first place club in the American Athletic Conference, so Central Florida is now in the driver's seat to finish with the best regular season record in the American and get into the championship game. So Central Florida is going to be focused. And then the big Army-Navy showdown, and there will be a three-week gap between Central Florida and Army. And Eric uh, referenced Army just lost to Troy 10-9. Army is not having a very good season. Um, I see a lot of things building. Eric, you real quick, and then Keenan to close us out. Do you feel good about really at this point? All that matters is beating Army. Beating Central Florida would be nice to be a feather in the cap, but really, what all that matters at this point is beating Army. Yeah, yeah. With the loss to Notre Dame, uh, you know you can't go, can't win six games. Six games means bowl uh, eligible. So uh, you know, you know, first, first, hopefully beat UCF, and you know, beating Army would you know be the kind of the saving grace of this season, kind of like last year. Uh, to be honest, so they, they had to beat Army, and you know which they did. When you know, I think Army stinks, so I think we should we should roll them, especially with our defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, obviously the Central Florida game is going to be tough, but this this was a tough Notre Dame team just played, and we played them pretty close. I think if you take the lessons learned, apply them next week. I mean, you're kind of catching them in a similar situation. Notre Dame had just came off of a big win against Clemson, uh, top five team on the road. 
And so now you also have this uh, Central Florida Tulane game. Tulane was, you know, I think 17th in the college football playoff ranking. So they got a huge win. You know, you're in a good spot for a letdown type of game. And they're playing at home. Maybe they're a little relaxed. Who knows? You know, you never know. It's college football. And so as we saw last Saturday, anything can happen. So I'm not counting my guys out yet. And then I, I love that we have three weeks before Army. Um, I can't remember the last time we had that much time. So we had enough time to get, you know, get X healthy, get everybody back, get some real good Army camp going like we used to do back in the day and, and roll these dudes. Like, I don't even want to be close. I have so much trash. I need to talk in the office because I work with so many West Point folks that we have to roll them. And I can't wait. All right. That wraps up another edition of the Navy football podcast, the Navy Notre Dame postgame report. We will be back later in the week to take a look ahead at the Central Florida game. This is the Navy football podcast brought to you by New Day USA. Thanks. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.